Hey guys, I am starting this podcast. Oh, there's a big knot in my cable, but that's okay. I am starting this podcast before I'm actually ready to talk. I thought it would be fun to change it up and let you in on a little bit of the behind the scenes setup that I do. So I'm, I'm literally holding my microphone and getting things set up to get ready. And I use, by the way, a Neumann handheld, and I cannot remember the model, I'm sorry, but I, I believe this is one of the microphones that Nora Jones uses or used to use. So that's pretty cool. Um, trying to get settled in here, but um, actually I should just say hey to all you guys and how are you? Welcome. Um, I've been watching actually with great anticipation as the number of listeners and the and the the places people are tuning in from has greatly expanded. I mean, you guys, I, I see you all out there in the U.S., but I want to look at this so I get this right. Um, I mean, I've got I've got you guys tuning in from Austria, Germany, Egypt, Morocco, New Zealand, Turkey, Sweden, Italy. I mean, Canada. I, I just thanks, guys. I'm glad you're here, and I I hope you've had fun as I've gone through all these queen deep dives, which is why I started this podcast in the first place and branched out into other positive things. So I'm glad you're here and I hope you stay with me as I keep going through all this good stuff. Okay, I'm almost done <laughs> as we get into the next queen deep dive. Okay, all right, there we go. You know what? Hold on one second. Oh, shoot, you guys. Ah, that's better. How does that happen? When you get random knots in cables, how does that even happen? You know, it just it, it's one of those rhetorical questions we cannot answer. I'm sure somebody's done some intensive scientific study <laughs> about, about knots in cables, but I'm very sorry if that sounded weird. I know it's very strange when mics, cables, you know, headphones, when things are fiddled with, sometimes it sounds like some weird you know, internal sound like, sword. I digress. I'm talking about nothing. So let's get to the point of today. It is a queen deep dive day. I can't believe I'm almost up to the 30 mark, by the way. It's amazing that I'm not even a quarter of the way done yet either. I've got so much queen to get through. What did I say? 13, 14 studio albums. It, it, they have such a big catalog. It's crazy. I had no idea. They had so many albums. When you realize that, you're like, wow. Okay. I'm going to start it off with this. Roger's Screams. Hands up. Yes, I love them. <laughs> and really, it isn't just Roger's Screams. This isn't even a Roger song. But Roger's Screaming slash, well, we'll talk about that. It's, it's not really screaming. but They are a prominent fixture in this Queen Deep Dive. This is a Freddie Mercury composition. It's actually the first song on the second side of Queen's Sheer Heart Attack 1974 album. When albums still had side A, side B, side one, side two, this was the song that kicked off the second side and it appropriately comes screaming straight out the gate, thanks to Roger. But this is Freddie's In the Lap of the Gods. I love this song. I'm going to start 
by gushing about it instead of going into some of the facts because I mentioned Flick of the Wrist might be my favorite song on Sheer Heart Attack, but I think it's actually this one. And the reason for that is because, yes, it's very overly dramatic, and it should be, it's Freddie, but it's also incredibly innovative, rich, experimental. The vocals here, the chords here are uh, goosebump-inducing. Dopamine. Dopamine on steroids. Is that really a thing medically? Is that bad? (laughs) I'm going to have to go look that up when I'm done. But this song is amazing. It impresses me. I don't care if it's a little bit over the top at times. I don't care if it's way too dramatic. I don't care. I don't care if people think it's weird that the vocals are pitched down in a strange way in the first verse. I don't care. I think this is super special in Queen's entire catalog, especially from Freddie. And we'll talk about that a little bit as we get into this. In the lap of the gods. And very different than in the lap of the gods, dot, 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 revisited. That song is entirely different, totally unrelated, on the same album, and we'll talk about it later. But the reason I mention this is because that version, not version, I'm sorry, that song was a rousing closing number on their set list for a time. And again, it's entirely different than this song. There's no relation between the two. It's just maybe Freddie's thought process, as it were. (laughs) So In the Lap of the Gods, back to In the Lap of the Gods. This is dive number 28, track number seven on Queen's Sheer Heart Attack. This is progressive operatic rock. I want to emphasize the word operatic here. This is very important. It's one of the only songs we get like this from the band ever. 81 beats per minute. It's very slow, kind of lumbers along. But like Freddie's song, Lily of the Valley, before it, which is also quite slow, that very, very hesitant slow tempo has little to do with the effect and emotion of the song. Well, okay, I'm not saying that correctly. What I mean is... For such a slow tempo, this doesn't lack in intensity. A lot of times you associate faster tempos with a lot more energy, a lot more interest, but here there is so much intrigue and layers upon layers of sound. We're in 4-4 time signature with just a little bit of 12-8. It's wonderful to see that kind of very odd, out-of-place time signature pop up once again in a Freddie composition. We haven't seen that in a while. And we're in C major and F major, two keys, but you would never guess that only two keys were here because of so much complexity in the transitions of the chords. This song, ultimately, the narrator leaves his final fate to the gods, even something as powerful and needed as love. He leaves it up to the gods. That's really what this is. It's very, very simple. Freddie sings of living his life for someone, wanting something so much, but ultimately, I leave it to you. And it's a, it's a fantastic little sentiment, actually, because there's only so much control we have in the world. And I don't know if this is Freddie just being romantic about the situation, or if there's actually a knowingness here that, hey, as much as I want this, need this, desire this, 
ultimately, I cannot make that decision. I can say I want it. I can go after it. But that's not for, for me to decide. I just, I love that sentiment. And it adds to my love for the song. This is a complete turn of style. And it takes us deep into opera-inspired rock with this brilliant number that features some of Roger's highest falsettos ever. He seldom put such high tones with brilliant vibrato control to this kind of use. And this might be his absolute best, even more than his memorable For Me from Bohemian Rhapsody, which we all know and love so well. This is certainly my favorite instance of Roger's falsetto high vocals. Freddie's impressive pseudo-virtuoso piano arpeggios, particularly in the introduction. This is a technique and motif he used well. They thrill and impress with rich and layered vocal harmonies, more reminiscent of a great theatrical production. The use of chords, melodies, and harmonies here that take us on amazing twists and turns emphasize Freddie's love of dramatic and emotional arrangements. The chords throughout the lengthy chorus are some of the most beautiful you'll find from any Queen song, combined with Brian's extraordinary lyrical and soulful guitar, John's ever-present supportive and melodic bass lines, and of course, Roger's flashes of cymbals, percussion. This is an extremely memorable, surprising, and moving number. John makes a refreshing appearance on acoustic guitar here, and Roger's timpani rolls are rousing. Freddie may have penned this, and it's aching and touching and lovely as it should be. Freddie never fails to lyrically impress and emote. But really, to me, this is Roger's number. His falsettos steal the show. Yes, I'm just going to admit it. I love this song because of Roger's singing. And oh, yeah, cymbals. Oh my gosh, the, the, the cymbal work here and the effects done with those sounds is entirely unique in their entire catalog. I haven't heard any other work like this in any other song. It's spectacular. This song was played 74 times live. That number surprised me. I didn't think it was played so often. Actually, this song is perceived as being played much more rarely and not very many recordings of these performances exist, primarily because it was played mostly in 74 and 75, before most bootlegs were recorded, and a handful of times it was played in later years. The only live recording I've been able to find video of is Queen Live at the Rainbow in 74, and sadly, this recording is obviously edited and pitch-corrected and probably overdubbed, even Roger's high falsettos. Nonetheless, the magic of this enchanting, surprising, and amazingly operatic number is just as captivating as harder rocking numbers from the boys. Compared to earlier rockers, this is obviously more relaxed, subdued, and even shocking in its uniqueness. This is the get out your lighters number. This is the wow, I can't believe they can play this number. I wish we had more recordings of this live. Oh, how I wish. And I wish I could hear that rainbow performance from 74 without the edits. I know there's several versions of that performance in existence. 
I believe when they first edited it, they did extensive pitch correction and overdubbing that was grating on the ears. People talk about that. So they backtracked a little bit and they redid it again. And I think they might have redone it even more. So there's multiple recordings of that entire performance out there. I just got to go find them. But I really wish we had more recordings of this song live. And I'd love to see the footage from those songs. But alas, this was earlier in Queen's career. So consequently, we just don't have access to as many recordings as I would like. Vocals from Freddie and Roger only are on this song. Brian sat this one out. And I hadn't thought about it, but perhaps it's because Brian was quite literally recovering from being sick for some time. So it's possible that this was recorded in certain sessions where Brian wasn't yet back in the studio. And maybe Freddie and Roger did such a fantastic job with the vocals as they are that Brian simply said, you guys don't need me for this. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Freddie said, no, Brian, you're not singing. But I'd be curious to know why, on a number that has so many layered harmonies, why was Brian absent? And I found an interesting quote. I want to talk about this extensively because the moment I read it, and you guys, I didn't know this. This was a, oh my gosh, moment I just had. This is big. This is a big deal. In 1977, in late 1977, Freddie was interviewed by the BBC. And he said, this song, not the March of the Black Queen, was the direct forerunner to Bohemian Rhapsody. Think about that. All this time, so many people have talked about the drama, the many styles, the energy of the March of the Black Queen and how it was the number that led to the brilliance of Bohemian Rhapsody. And maybe in some ways it was. Maybe the drama, the twists and turns of the styles and the key changes, the genre jumping that we do there, maybe that inspired the structure of Bohemian Rhapsody. But I never thought about the opera-tinged moments here in In the Lap of the Gods might actually be a forerunner to Bohemian Rhapsody. But it suddenly makes sense to me. Wow. If you needed any other reason to listen to In the Lap of the Gods, this is it. Just listen to this song. You will be amazed knowing that these operatic arrangements in the chorus, if you can even call it a chorus in this song, it's, it's just this big ostinato, this lengthy progression of chords that is so magical. It, it's amazing when you realize what this was leading up to. And to hear that directly from Freddie is just this, wow, aha, I can't believe I didn't notice that kind of a thing. I'm floored. It's amazing. And it makes me love this song all the more. No one talks about this, period. And that is a tragedy to me. Yes, I'm being dramatic about it because I love this so much. This song deserves more attention. I do think some people find it overly produced, overly dramatic. I talked about this earlier, that there's some elements here that might even make you chuckle a little bit because they're so dramatized. But there's so much beauty here. Am I saying so too much? I'm sorry. 
This is just an incredible song. I wish I had some more comments from the guys, from critics, from fans. Nobody talks about this. And that's such a shame. You need not listen to more than the introduction of In the Lap of the Gods to be completely wowed and blown away by Freddie and Queen's impressive shifts in key and instrumentation. The ebb and flow of every note and chord staking its claim and almost triumphantly establishing itself with such presence. This is lush and loud and impactful. Yes, a bit overly dramatic, entertaining, maybe even humorous for brief moments, but certainly not lacking jaw-dropping production tricks and balances of sound. Freddie has clearly improved his piano skills to attack the triplet arrangements with such confidence. And his flair and love for drama and opera are in full gorgeous display. There are so many accidentals, fanfare guitars, parallel chord changes, these ambiguous harmonies. It's a wonder this song is only in two established keys. But as we know, Queen never wanted to play by the rules. So we're unhinged, experimenting with great sophistication and flair and attitude, as lovely and layered as Freddie's vocals are. Roger's impressive screams take the cake. But this isn't screaming, really. It's controlled, it's energizing, it's astounding, and it's a shame Roger didn't do this more often. But the rareness, as we know now, anything used rarely in Queen's songs makes it that much more special. The gentle effect of the slowed, lumbering vocals during the verse is appropriately dramatic from Freddie and amplified. At first listen, it may sound out of place, but after hearing it live in which Freddie sings normally, you'll probably likely discover he knew what he was doing in the studio. It's beautifully done. This literally sweeping sounds of cymbals and swelling that accompany Freddie's delivery, quite the companionship. Those are the cymbals I was talking about. There's something going on there, like a flanger effect on a cymbal, and I love it. It's like a synthesizer, but it's not. Freddie sounds otherworldly with these sounds around him, threatening even. There's a weight with this slowdown effect, and it works. There's a tinge of camp here, but Freddie's fully aware of his dramatic intentions and Roger, Brian, and John, they're just in the thick of it. Also aware of Freddie's genius intentions doing what they do at full tilt at their absolute best. In the lap of the gods. This is such a stunning composition. It's so gorgeous. I, I'm always wowed with Sheer Heart Attack and the album's diversity of sound. But this song stands out to me as something that shouldn't, probably shouldn't have ever been because it's such a departure. I mean, we're, we were just talking about Now I'm Here, which is one of the hardest rockin' numbers we get from Brian and the crew. But this is a big turn on our heels to something that doesn't even make sense. But it does because it's Queen. And my goodness, this kind of play it out with, without apology, because this is what we're feeling in the moment, and this is totally unexpected, and the critics are going to be all over this. See, the guys knew 
the critics were just waiting to harp on them about something. I think this was something they learned from a very early point in their career. They could never impress the press for very long, ever. So they made a point to defy expectations and do things that were completely out of the park, out of the box. And this is a fine example of that, if not one of the best examples of that. I urge you, I implore you to go check out In the Lap of the Gods. Just go listen to it and listen to the Live at the Rainbow performance from 74. Yes, it is edited. And I'm super sad because Roger's vocals are almost certainly dubbed. But you're going to feel like you're walking on air or you're listening to some grand stage production or... This should be something that an entire choir performs with a full symphony orchestra. I want that arrangement with the sweeping violins, the the brass. I want that whole arrangement. If I could do it, I would. But what we have here is brilliant in its own right and probably wouldn't get any better, honestly. So go check out In the Lap of the Gods. In the meantime, of course, you guys know keep yourselves alive and unapologetically do things you love. Be like Queen. Go out there, do it full tilt to the max enthusiastically. No apologies. Later, guys.